Hi, friends. I'm Olivia. I'm Rod. And you're listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. In today's episode, we are covering the May 28th sermon, Marquee to Nearness. Now, in this sermon, you covered a, I wouldn't say controversial, but your view was definitely a minority view on this. We covered 1 Peter chapter 3, verses about 14 to the end of the chapter. If you could just explain the title, Marquee to Nearness, because that was a little separate from the controversial part. I think that sermon title encompasses the whole passage, verses 13 through uh, 22 of chapter 3. This is the biggest chunk we've covered so far. So a marquee is a sign. It's a uh, It, it kind of gives direction. It gives information. I didn't want people to lose sight of the reason Peter writes, and he states it in uh, verse 13 when he says, now who is there to harm you? And he's trying to comfort them. He's trying to get them to see their position, how unique it is, how steadfast it is. And he's trying to get them to, with boldness, assert their position. Even in times of trouble, doubt, weakness, there's a story that they have to tell. And I think that's what he's talking about in verse 15, about giving a reason. And I think that theme is picked up when Jesus gave a story to others, even towards the end of of the entire chapter. So when I wrap that up, I came up with the title Marquee to Nearness, because all of these things happen so that others might um, be brought near to God. And and I got that from uh, verse 18, when it says, Christ suffered that he might bring us near to God. Christ did all that he did so that those of us who were uh, formerly alienated from God, enemies of God, unrighteous, he did all that he d- did so he could bring us into God's presence. And so uh, that's that's where the title comes from, uh, a marquee. We are signs and pointers to how to be near to God. And uh, it might not be the most efficient way for God to do it, but it's the way he has decided to do it. And uh, the sooner we embrace that role, the better off we're going to be and the more confidence that we're going to have as we live our lives. As we go from, like you mentioned, verse 18, this is the first part that we had to break down more in the sermon. So can you explain the two popular views of how people approach this? Here's what people are trying to do. They ask the question, what did Jesus do between the time he was put in the tomb on Friday to the time he rose again Sunday morning. What was going on? There, there was something going on there. And, he, and people are trying to put that together, and they use this verse to put that together. I don't think this verse or this passage has anything to do with that activity. Uh, when you and I discussed this before I actually preached it, you summed it up this way. You said... Uh, Dad, do you believe this is pre-cross or post-cross? And I think that really nails it. Are the events he's describing here pre-cross 
or post-cross. And the only reason you would think they were post-cross is because what he says in verse 18 about the crucifixion. Once you decide that this passage speaks to the events that happen within the time of the crucifixion to the resurrection, it kind of forces your hands at that point. You're forced to, forced to say he either is preaching to um, people some people even believe he's given people a second chance at repentance. I do not believe that. I don't think Scripture teaches that in any way, shape, or form. Some people say that he is preaching to uh, embodied or uh, demonic spirits, spirits who had chosen long ago. But the text clearly delineates that he's speaking to those people who are alive during the times of Noah. I think the term uh, imprisoned spirits is their status now. But I think when he presented them, Christ presented them the truth through Noah, uh, that was an action that happened back then, and they were disobedient back then. So he's saying these spirits that are imprisoned right now had a chance to not be disobedient when they were confronted by the truth that Noah presented them in building the ark, in being sensitive to God, in acknowledging God. I don't think it has anything to do with what went on between the crucifixion and the, and the resurrection. Uh, now, again, there are very good people who disagree with me on that. It's interesting, uh, after I preached the message, I found out a lot more people agree with my position than I thought Spiro Zodiades, uh, who wrote the Hebrew-Greek Study Bible, that's his view, and even if you Google, if you ask the question, what was Jesus doing between the crucifixion and the resurrection, they will say this verse is cited as explaining that. But then they're also given, because now this has become becoming more popular, the position I took, which is Jesus is preaching to those hearers in Noah's day, and they ended up being disobedient. Therefore, the result of that disobedience is that they are now imprisoned spirits. But it's like when I said President Reagan, President Ronald Reagan, hosted Death Valley Days. Well, he wasn't President Ronald Reagan when he hosted Death Valley Days. He was actor Ronald Reagan. So I'm using a term now that he would hold, which is President Ronald Reagan, but I'm applying it to an event that happened some uh, 20 years before he became president. So the title, the imprisoned spirits, are who they are now, their position now, but they weren't in prison when Noah was witnessing to them through the ark. And this lays out perfectly with the passage about being a witness, about not fearing, about God using the believer's life to bring truth to others. And it fits perfectly. Now, in all fairness, the pastor that uh, you sat under during your seminary time, he takes a different view from me, and, and that's perfectly fine to do. And he, uh, his position is, is that Jesus was declaring victory. He went there to declare victory. Uh, you know, and, and, and I guess he would argue that in verse 22, there's the declaration of of God's of Jesus's sovereignty over angels and powers and 
uh, angelic beings, all of that. Um, and, you know, I'm sympathetic to that. I, I just, I just want to make sure that we stay within the boundaries of what Scripture clearly teaches. There, there are some gray areas. Um, you know, people trying to, to put together what was Jesus doing. Uh, and what they're trying to do, I think, in some respects, is they're trying to, to fill in the, the gray areas that we don't know. And so we know a couple of things. We know that Jesus promised the thief on the cross that today you'll be with me in paradise. We know that now to be absent from the body, to be dead, is to be present with the Lord. Uh, you know, there are some other passages that can add some confusion to, to some of those things that we, we do know. And I'm just dealing with this, this passage. People wanted me to answer the question in this sermon about what Jesus did between the cross and the resurrection. My answer is this passage doesn't deal with that. And so uh, and in, in after the sermon, I went and I did some reading on that particular topic. And basically, anything that people have come up with has have been conjecture. They're, they're trying to put some things together. Uh, they're using a passage in Ephesians chapter 4 for this. Now, if you take Jesus went into the tomb, he went into the earth, the tomb, then you can say uh, he descended, you know, into that physical spot. His, his body was there. Okay, so one last point of clarification on this section before we move on to the next. When it talks about the spirits who imprison, the ESV says, because they formerly did not obey. And the NASB says, who once were disobedient. That past tense, you know, who once were disobedient, they formerly were, dis- were disobedient. That's not talking about, oh, they formerly were disobedient, now they are obedient. Correct? That is... That's right. That's right. That's not saying once they had this status, now they have a new status. Their new status is a result of their old status, which is their new status is they're imprisoned spirits. All right? And the reason they're imprisoned, the reason they have the result, the consequences that they're suffering currently is because they once were disobedient. And the reason any of us will end up where we end up in eternity is due to what we do with with Christ. We're either disobedient to that offer or we are obedient to that offer. So um, they did not respond to the message that was preached by Noah, by Christ through Noah, I think is the way Peter would say it. Um, Because he's trying to encourage the readers, Christ is working in you, Christ is working through you. So that status that they currently hold is a result of the status they held previously, which was a status of disobedience. Okay, last question. Verse 21, baptism now saves you. Now, we know that baptism is not required for salvation. There is no—you don't gain eternal life because you were baptized. Correct. But my question, apart from that, because that's pretty clear in Scripture— but you said that there's you don't think there's any water going on. I'll make my view, I think, very clear. I think Romans 6 and this passage right here, baptism, there's no water in it. It means identifying with the resurrection of Christ. Just like 
Noah identified with the ark. He immersed himself in the ark. He identified with the ark. He became part of the ark. He went into the ark. I think when in baptism, in the spiritual baptism, we immerse ourselves into Christ. We identify with Christ in his resurrection. Because he says it right there in the text. He says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, and the illustration I used, I think, was pretty clear. What is the relationship you have with an airplane? If you're traveling, the airplane doesn't do you any good unless you're in it. And so the ark doesn't do you any good unless you're in it. And Christ and what he did on the cross doesn't do you any good unless you're in him. And the way we identify with him is through baptism. It's interesting people see water and then they see the term baptism and they said, ah, he's talking about water baptism. No, water was the very thing that was endangering Noah and the other seven souls that were in the ark. (laughs) The water wasn't the salvation of them. The water was the judgment of them, and they were in the ark of safety through that judgment that came upon all people. And as we are baptized, spiritually identified with Christ, and I think water baptism is a beautiful picture of that, of standing with Christ you know, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life, we identify with him. I think that's what Peter's talking about here. I do not see any water in this particular term, baptism, here. Got it. It wasn't necessarily a tricky passage. It was just tricky because of the very common views and things that we hear on it. Yes, and that clouds and colors our perception of the text. So we come to the text looking for something to validate the stories we've heard before. And so it's very important to read the text as the first readers would have understood it. Right. So I I appreciate you answering those questions and covering a little bit of that in more depth. And I would encourage people, if they have not watched the sermon yet, to go do that. Um, The video clip was very helpful. All of it was, was very clearly laid out, but it does take some time to think through, especially against probably the common things that we've heard about the passage to kind of direct your mind into another another mode of thought on that. And keep coming back to context. Why? Context. How does this fit in with the context? And that's what kept me up at night, wrestling with it. The typical interpretation of this, I just couldn't see how it fit the context. Now, again, maybe I'm wrong. But I think the interpretation that uh, I put out there best fits the context and the encouragement that Peter's readers needed and wanted, and um, it encourages us as well. Absolutely. Well, thanks for breaking that down, and thank you all for listening to another episode of Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church.